Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets. Interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. Well, it's pandemic week number... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I'm really at the point where I'm forgetting people's birthdays. I don't know what date it is. I literally forgot my lead man, Patrick Alvin's birthday this past week, and I feel horrible because I don't know what date it is. And that, never mind, like, I don't have a concept. Like, all of a sudden, June's over. I don't know. I don't know if everyone's like this or I I don't know, but I hope everyone is staying happy and healthy and wearing your mask. Uh, what's one of watching this week? Well, I finished that first season of Castle Rock, which I was enjoying. Um, nice little wrap up there. I liked it. Tricky little ending. And then I got lost a little bit in like the second to last episode. There was a lot of like, I don't really know what's going on, but I like it type thing. Um, so then started the second season, which is the main character is Annie Wilkes from Misery, which I loved Misery. I read the book right before the film came out when I I think I was like 14 or something, but I have always just loved that movie. So I was excited for this second season and, um, zipped right through that in about three nights. (laughs) There's this, there's like a whole side story because it's got to involve Castle Rock and the town. And it's not exactly the same as the movie, which is nice because, you know, it's, you don't want it to be the same anyway. So, um, it was good. And it, there's a payoff at the end if you're like a Misery fan. If you stick with it, it's really good. There is one amazing set in it, which I really enjoyed, which is this like em- Emporium Galorium type set, like this little store of uh, just everything being refurbished and just tons of crap everywhere and one of those nitty-gritty little sets that um, I really enjoy doing so uh, it was really really fun to see on there finished somebody feeding somebody feed Phil and basically it just made me hungry to travel so really, my husband and I are just really itching to travel at this point, especially after watching that show. I watched Knives Out, which I hadn't seen. Just a wonderful little gem of a movie. I thought a little fun. That poor girl had to like, cry in almost every scene. I felt bad. The The main uh, girl, I don't know her name, but the house is extraordinary. I mean, I read that it took three houses to make up that gigantic house make it look like one but just phenomenal set dressing details in this of this cluttered yet stylized like just beautiful house beautiful dressing so interesting I couldn't keep my eyes off of the dressing I mean the actors alone but everything from like the sheets to the wallpaper just had these great details so it's really great eye candy if you haven't seen uh, Knives Out it's pretty good I started the second season of The Politician on Netflix, and I don't know. It's not, I wasn't really into the first season. 
I watched it um, because I it, I really like the people who made it. Um, Jamie McCall, who I'm currently working with, uh, a production designer. So um, the story's uh-uh, it's something different, which I like. But I don't know if I have it in me to do a whole second season of it. And I'm really not a Gwyneth fan. So if you're a Gwyneth fan and you're into something a little different, the politician is um, kind of crude, but good. I did take some more master classes this week with uh, Jane Goodall in the Art of Conversation. I'm good. Oh, I think uh, I there was a lot of monkey talk in there, and it made me feel bad for the monkeys and the gorillas, and I don't really need to feel bad right now. So it was good overall. Um, we're doing like a date night with Thomas Keller and um, doing cooking and wine appreciation classes. So that's kind of fun. Um, I, I hope uh, I hope everyone's doing a little date nights here and there to uh, get us through this. But uh, yeah, the cooking thing, I really want to like nail the staple meals, like a, like a chicken cutlet or like a cast iron steak. Like that's one of my goals through this pandemic and I think I'm doing pretty good. On this episode, I speak with production designer Brian Stone Street. Brian's career is jam-packed with huge live programs all year long. Brian designs the stages for live events like the Grammys, the Golden Globes, the Soul Train Awards, the BET Hip Hop Awards, the Billboard Music Awards, the Country Music Awards, and more. He also has production designed the Kennedy Honors sets, the Al Pacino and George Clooney American Cinematheque tributes, and so many more. He's won three Emmys, two Art Directors Guild, and has 26 nominations. Sometimes he's up against himself. That's happened more than once. So I knew that he did all these shows, but then when I really started to research the performances and the staging and everything that he has to design for these shows, it's incredible. And yes, he has prep time, but sometimes he doesn't, as he'll explain. But all of these moving parts and coordinating the artists and the lighting, it's, uh, it's insane. It's, and it's live. It's crazy. So just some, some of the amazing performances that he has designed for, not only has he gotten to see these people perform, but he's designed for them. Pavarotti, Whitney Houston, Santana, Elton John, Madonna multiple times, Alicia Keys, the U- U2, Prince and Beyonce when they did the duet, the White Stripes, Adele, Foo Fighters, Sting, James Brown, Stevie Wonder, Brian Wilson, Amy Whitehouse, John Fogarty, John Legend, John Mayer, Bocelli. Lady Gaga, Mick Jagger, Barbara Streisand, and those are just the people I like. I mean, there are tons, tons more. Even for the Kennedy Center honors that he did twice, I mean, they involve Steve Martin, Diana Ross, Scorsese, Brian Wilson, Paul McCartney, and Oprah Winfrey. I mean, it's incredible the amount of, I don't know, I'm just blown away. I really enjoyed this. It's fascinating interview to me, because I really learned a lot from him because I know that we're all in this, but sometimes you don't know how the, these other shows really, really work. And it's just fascinating. We talk about all of his shows, 
and what some of the design challenges for these live shows might be in this coronavirus phase in the next year or so. So in fact, the BET Awards are on this Sunday, June 28th. So I'm very intrigued to see what the design of it is going to be and how they play all of this. It's uh, going to be interesting. He's amazingly talented and just a super nice guy. So I hope you enjoy. Projects right now that you're prepping? Um, well, yeah. The, the they moved ACMs to September, mm. and it, if it does happen, um, it's in three venues without a live audience, or potentially without a live audience. They don't know yet, but you know, the, it, it's feeling like it might well not have an audience. I mean, given given what we're in now. Um, but yeah, working on working on redesigning that since we. Since they canceled the Vegas show, and we can't really use the existing set, so it will be new scenery for for Nashville in three different venues. Oh wow! And do you do they give you uh, like the floor plans and everything of the venues, or do you have to go survey that? Uh, well, we can't uh, right now. We can't survey it. I suppose now we could. Two weeks ago, when we when they announced it and uh, told us the venues. Uh, the idea of traveling wasn't really like on anyone's radar. So right. we've interfaced with every venue, the Bluebird Cafe, the Ryman and Grand Old Opry. So yeah, we've gotten drawings from them. Kristen, the art director's gotten drawings and we've been, had conversations. So we're doing the best we can. Normally, yes, we would be there to figure out not so much the onstage measurements, but how the, how the flow of the show will work backstage because that's the trickiest part of our show. So we can't do that right now. So it's just phone conversations. I wish we could, it would be very yeah. nice to be able to go. Well, yeah. But, I mean, especially if right you're now. doing three different ones, I mean, and to keeping, keeping that all straight and <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right. All that stuff. <laughs> so, so then it's, it's not like you're doing one show then you're probably, you're kind of doing three shows. Under one. Uh, yeah, they are. They're just splitting up the 16 performances kind of into thirds. Wow. Or 16 or more. I think there's normally 20, uh, 20 to 22 on the show when we're in Vegas, but we'll see how many they actually have. Uh, but part of the reason was thinking, well, most of the artists are in Nashville, so there's a comfort level that they can, you know, leave their house in their own car, mm. drive to the venue. Um of course, be supported safely when they're at the venue and then turn around and leave. So, God. Oh, God. Just, the logistics that, that all of this is caused is oh, going to yeah. cause all of us is insane, really. Yeah, you think art department's tricky. Think about like travel of everybody, the whole staff and hotels and all. Uh, it just kind of blows my mind. Yeah. How it's going to work. What? Work, but, you know, thank goodness there are other people. Well, when you, you were saying like your backstage stuff, I never thought of like, wow, you really are doing a whole dance back there of scenery and juggling all that. And you, you basically have the time of like a commercial break, right? 
Yeah, typically, which is, you know, historically, I think in like 2008, we left a single stage performance and created a double stage. Mm. We were in Vegas. That eased it up because as one side's performing, of course, you can you can then change out the opposite, the other performance area. Or if you have a performance in the audience on on a satellite stage, it gives you more time. But it, it's a huge dance backstage. You're right. It's and it's a dance during the process because uh, when we begin the process with creative, you know, coming up with creative looks for the sh- for each performance, we're not thinking about oh they're on stage right, they're on stage left because the script or the the sketch the uh, rundown hasn't been created. So we'll render them on either side of the stage. We don't know which side they're going to be on. We'll know if it's out in the audience because that's a, a different look than if, if 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 it's a performance area. And then they, and then as we get into the producers really needing to lay the show out and who they want at the end, the top of one hour or at the end of another hour, um, how we can make that work. So there's a huge dosi do there. And then once, kind of we've established what's happening: stage right, performance; stage left, out in the house. Then I'll flip the sketches or redo the sketches depending on if that initial rendering that was approved creatively is on the other side of the stage. Oh my God. And sometimes we, we, it, it's the producers say, well, no, we have to have Miranda Lambert at the top of this hour. But after that we have this and we'll say, well, scenically the weight load, we can't support all these looks on one side of the stage. So we have to divide them up. So we have to pick one side and you have to adjust the rundown depending and we try to, you know, try to get it all so it works into a, you know, fit all the puzzle pieces together. And normally, you know, eventually it does, but there's a lot of back and forth. Um, I mean, you must pray for like long want. songs, like a November rain or something. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> or, um, Please, or can this song be a little longer? Yeah. Or I was looking at the that one uh, Grammy performance with um, Timberlake and Jay Z, uh, suit and tie, and then you know now it's uh, I mean a lot of it is always sort of that medley, but you still have to, like this the stage still transforms in some way, so it's not like it's even a breather or anything. It's like you don't yeah. even, you don't even get a break in the middle there. Right, and never mind that sometimes on the shows like Grammys and ACMs, we'll go to a full stage performance where both sides of the stage are opened up, yeah. and they perform kind of in the award area, and then that is you know to 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 come out of that, bring in our fly walls to hide it, and then have to resume the pattern of the show is tricky. So right. usually it's a satellite performance and an award that will buy us you know ten minutes, and then. Sometimes the scenery for that one is pulled, you know, so much of our scenery is lined up in hallways, but at Grammys, it goes, it goes literally 600 feet through the Staples Arena, up the the loading ramp for deliveries, and then out into a parking structure into the convention center. So, you know, sometimes it can be an eighth of a mile push of a drum riser or a wall that has to be tipped up or a series of walls. So... Yeah, we're spread out. Same way in Vegas. There's a there's a parking lot structure behind the MGM uh, Grand Garden Arena that's uh, 
maybe 400 feet away and so much of our set stored there. So sometimes it's like, well, we need to pull this out three minutes into this performance to get it near the stage so that we can get it up in time. But the crews, you know, they're, they've done it so many times and they're, right. they're so well honed. It, it, they figure it out. They, they really do. The only the only thing that I can relate to this is is I worked on Wheel of Fortune and we would go on remote twice a year, and to like these different venues like Dallas or Miami and everything, and we would, oh yeah we would get the vector files of these huge arenas or you know convention center or whatever they were they were going to shoot, and then you know p- plop in the like little set and the wheel. <laughs> And it's, but there's big sets. They Gosh. are. I mean, they, they do. Look, they're they're big for Wheel of Fortune, but that's it. You know what I mean? Like you design that that yeah. Dallas skyline, which is great and all, but like that's your set. You're not you not like this award show or live performances, and it's set. But it that's the only thing I can remember is it was a huge undertaking for Wheel of Fortune. Like they would spend like a million dollars to like take their whole crew to Dallas for the, you know, two weeks. I mean, I think they would tape like two weeks of shows, which is two days of filming because they do five a day. So it's not like, I don't know if it was worth it, but when you, (laughs) when you have to go, you were saying like Vegas is one and then Nashville and then LA and then like is soul, the soul train awards, are they in, Detroit? Uh, Soul Train Awards have been, um, the last four years, I think, have been uh, at the Orleans Arena mm. in Vegas. Oh, wow. Um, and it's a, it's a single stage performance with a house band. So, and we've broken it up a little bit. Sometimes the performances will run into the presenter area and the uh, award acceptance area. but But typically that one scenically is you know, a little less heavy for individual performances. We try to do as much as we can, but there is a, there is kind of a set house band and then we'll do things downstage. That arena is nice. It's, it's clean. It's clean and a lot of access, a lot of easy well, access. There you go. I was, yeah. I was wondering when your career started to, uh, really geared towards live music, did you start to, like um learn more about instruments and like sounds and like I, I mean I know that you have you have to have some interaction with sound and did you get into that at all or is it more like they adjust to the sound adjusts more to the set no it's I mean we need to really it's um besides enjoying the music when and listening to it during during the process as we as we get um you know performances are confirmed and it might be this song and this song listening to it for creative inspiration is always wonderful mm-hmm. uh but technically really no what we came up really i mean i i started as an art director work for production designer uh robert keen who was amazing and i had left Di- i was at disney live entertainment uh for a brief time prior to that when i first moved here and i came in like a deer in the headlights to award shows and music <laughs> shows i didn't know what i wa- i didn't know um you know the the uh, things like the flooring that was that when i went to interview with uh bob 
things like the flooring when i walked on stage it was this gloss colored floor and i just i couldn't even wrap my head around what that was i had so many questions like what is this <laughs> oh my gosh you're using steel steel's amazing my theater background we didn't use steel i didn't like that was really my world um but as i learned from him and continued on like when you get into band performances and you get get a uh or performances and you get a, a band plot usually from the artist uh we learn sizes so it becomes very technical we know that unless otherwise specified from a particular group uh drum risers usually eight foot by eight foot mm -hmm. and it's usually taller than the keys and the keys are usually to the right or left and a typical four pieces drums keys bass guitar um but then when we get into orchestras of course there's nothing that's there's the kind of the guide when you think of an orchestra, it's huge and, and the strings are divided. But in television, sometimes there's a little bit of leeway in that where if we want to design it to a particular layout on stage to make it a little more exciting, like orchestras typically aren't on levels, um, at least at least the strings are all kind of flat on the ground. But of course, we want people to be seen when we're on television and we want cameras to see people and to see the depth which you don't really get when everyone's on the same level so there you know we make they make allowances for us and we adjust as needed um i haven't you know i have there's some things like steel guitar pedal that i've learned through the country music awards and then hip-hop i've learned dj so there are some things that carry over depending on the genre of music that we do or the typical award show. But I even find now that even some of that's merging. Right. Um, but, but typically it's technical, like, oh, it's a six-piece band. Oh, we need three eight-by-eight risers. Oh, it's U2. They need, their drummer needs a 12-by-12 minimum. So we have to, that's how we work that out. And then, of course, that's our space allotment backstage of... Right. Our, you mean of how much room we need for this band, for this band, for this band? Because, like, it, Lady Gaga's drummer is not using the same drummer as Carrie Underwood or something. Like, I'm sure they Correct. have to switch. You got to switch out all instruments, drum kit, everything, every performance. Even if it's like, on you know either side of the stage, you're still swapping that out for their performances. Correct. Right. Uh, every drum riser for every act is their own drum riser. Wow. Um, every key riser is their own key riser. So we'll sometimes have kind of in the queue in the hallways and into a parking structure or a storage area, we'll have 60, 70 rolling risers. And typically you wouldn't have everyone on a riser in a reel, like if you were going to a concert or something, but because everything on these music shows needs to roll in and roll out, and there's a certain clearance for the caster and the angle of a ramp that you need to get up onto the stage and you can't exceed certain things um, uh, or things belly out uh, as they're coming up the ramp. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a lot of rolling, <laughs> a lot of rolling and a lot of risers. <laughs> and with like the Billboard Music Awards or the Grammys or hip hop, like what is your interaction with the performers or is it more of their idea that you're designing for? Or do they have their, some people have their own designs they come in with? Well, it's, you know, it's interesting through the through my career and coming up through uh, Bob, 
Uh, typically, we would, uh, way back when, for these shows, we would design act looks for the perform. We call them act looks, but performance looks. Um, they We would send a sketch out. They would love it, hate it, have adjustments, and when we would we would fix it. Uh, but we had a lot of a lot of say in that. Um, as as we've evolved in these award shows, uh, a lot of artists now are coming in with creative directors. Um, uh, not every one of them, and certainly I would say fifty percent of the performances we we well we have our hand in all of them because more likely than not we'll be creating even if they have a vision we'll create the vision because we need to adjust it to be able to fit on our stage right um, uh, and they don't which is great they don't have to suffer through the parameters of our set initially creatively they'll come in with an idea and then we go well you know this is great but we have to do this or we can't fly this unit or or we can't fly these chandeliers because they're too heavy or something like that so how about this so we go back and forth or fly madonna like <laughs> or fly, yeah or fly madonna and yeah exactly <laughs> or bring in a car that, yeah yeah that transforms on stage or an egg um but yeah so, so we still get we still get uh, some creative freedom with acts, but there are certain acts that like to bring creative directors. And it's actually, it, 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 it's not that it, it helps our load because we certainly have to be responsible for every act that comes on every performance and the scenery for that. And we have to interact whether they're building it or we're building it, but it does, it does bring in fresh ideas for each performance. And it's, it's just, it's nice. Most of the interactions are great. Um, say most i, th I think yeah. they all are, end up being great um it's just a, the the process with each you know with with the acts that do this are are all a little different um but it does certainly lend variety to the evening which is you know to an evening show which is good you want to get as many different looks and you want the basic set to be able to within a performance adapt and um kind of chameleon like adjust for the performance and yet still be able to hold its own when you're not in a performance. Well, I think that's your biggest challenge of like you're designing this overall set then then has to transform, you know, 16 20 times but still maintain yeah. its own design. I mean, it's it's an incredible feat and and how I know this is a long question, but so how long do you have, like, if you start, I'm going to do the Grammys, and then how long do you really have when they come in and say, hey, uh, Madonna wants to fly away? Like, is that, like, the last week? Right. Like, like something like that. Like, you might have all this prep time, but in reality, when all these little vignettes come in, you can't, you can't anticipate six months from now what song someone's going to sing right right yeah i mean it's really about when you're when you're designing a set is you need to figure out the flow of the show not just the awards but the performance areas how many are there going to be will there be one in an audience will there be two will some be remotes um but for the main set you really want to create a set that that makes a statement in a wide shot which you see maybe a dozen times in an evening if you're lucky sometimes more depending on the show but you want that statement in the wide shot and then immediately you're in close-up so right. you design you design that award area to be good in the close-up background which a lot of times now is 
LED because it's so flexible. You want some architecture in there, and then you need the performance areas to be strong enough to support an act with strong LED or something that can go away and become a lighting look or something that can be more theatrical and more organic, like painted drops we've done before. So you design those performance areas to be as flexible as possible for whatever performances come. And then you're into, okay, six weeks before the show. And this is just, this is kind of averaging all the different award shows I do, but you get about six weeks out, you start to get a sense when nominees come out of who might be performing on the show and then you then you begin you begin to get um you know talent lists of who is actually confirmed but they don't know the song and then you get the song and so maybe you're maybe you're four and a half weeks five weeks out and then you start this journey with the people that you know that are going to be on and every act will come to the show kind of at a different schedule, but they've all, they're all seasoned enough to know that they want to get, you know, they want to get their act together, their creative together. And then we just start working on them one after the other, as they come in, we'll, we'll have a call. We'll do, I'll do a creative design. I'll try to get it off in the next day. Um, get the model build, yeah. get the, get it rendered and then get that off. So, you know, that you, at one point you can at least cross that off your list. Well, then the next one comes in. Um, and we're fortunate enough that, that sometimes we'll have three weeks to do, let's say a, a, uh, a Taylor Swift performance. That's got a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say gags, but a lot of effects, a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes they do come in late and then your only hope is that you've, you've done enough ahead of time with the other acts that then you have time to put towards that. And then we'll, of course, bring in additional art department members as needed, depending on the workload. Um, it's a little tricky because it, it's such a niche area in a way that yeah. there's a lot of language that you would hope that as you're, you don't have to teach someone that world, but when you're into a singular performance and if we have to bring in a special art director, say for Taylor Swift or Adele or, or uh, Lizzo, that there's enough, they know enough um, that they're pretty quick to learn because they really don't have to know the whole show. They just have to know that depending on the venue, sometimes like for Grammys, our clearance to get in any piece of scenery into that room other than flying is eight feet. We have eight feet at eight foot three inches. So anything taller has got to be built to roll in on its side, which means. Now, who, you know, now well, don't you think yeah. to yourself, who the hell designed this venue that gave me this <laughs> restriction? Like, take well, the roof off or like there should be the something. The funny thing is they're designed for a Zamboni. It's like, what, where will a Zamboni fit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the biggest piece of equipment they think for a sporting event they need to get in or, uh, yeah. yeah. Or, but, uh, it, oh, that's but yeah, you're right. So it, it's, there are some <laughs> venues, Staples is, it, it's kind of cool that we've been able, and I do like the detective work. I mean, mm. uh, there's a part of me that does like the detective work of, oh, well, let's, this wall's 14 feet, but let's lay it on its back. Will it make the turn? Will it go up the ramp? I do like that, but I'll tell you, when we're in a space where 
we can roll in something that doesn't have to be flipped or or done like Broadway style, uh, hanging backstage if 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 mm. the venue was supported on motors. Like we've done that before, where they just hang scenery in the back and they lower it in right before their performance and roll it on. But I do really like venues where where <laughs> you don't you you know you don't have that height restriction. They, well, yeah. they become heaven. It, well, it's just another element to worry about when you're trying to do 25 other things at the same time. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. Uh, that's oh, we've had our evenings of wine at 7 p.m. <laughs> there's, <Yeah. laughs> there's always the one show where, like, you know what? Let's just stop and have a glass of wine. And we pull the wine out. Oh, my God. So, dust off the glasses and have some wine at the office, which is always feels so much better afterwards. Do you go to the when it? When it air, when it's recorded, well, when it's live, would you go? Are you there? Are you like okay? I, I've because a lot of times, like with everyone, you sort of like let it. All right, I gotta let it go, and it is what it is, and I'm off. Right. <laughs> no, I'm typically. I mean, for the most part, I'm sitting in the video in the truck, mm. in the production truck, uh, behind the director, just kind of watching. There's not really anything I can do at that point. But if something does come up where I'm in texting conversations, you know, we usually set up an art department text where we'll go back and forth, or and we share a Google Doc where we have notes, and each everyone will, you know, put put that in. But typically during a live show, I'm sitting in the truck, and then if there's a if a drape re needs to be adjusted a little bit and the crew is comfortable with that, uh, which we've worked with so much of our crew, they're okay with me like adjusting the base of a curtain or something. It's fine. I'll run, I'll leave the truck. Yeah. Um, and run <laughs> oh it up shit. Brian's left the truck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there's nothing you can really, it's more of just being do, right? a pre- yeah, like being a presence in there, but I, there's nothing really, I mean, when you're live, that's, you, you do what you can do. We had um, one year we when we had, um, oh, uh, oh, darn it. I've done so many performances. Uh, <laughs> Sh- Chandelier. Who sings Chandelier? Oh, Sia. Sia. Yeah, thank yes. you, Sia. Yeah, I wanted to say Sizzin. I knew that wasn't <laughs> right. Um, Did you ever think in your life you'd get the, the word Sizza and Sia and Lizzo in the same conversation? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Or Kat, D, uh, Khalid and DJ Khaled. Yeah, DJ Khaled. together. Yeah. Um, but there was a, we did, a, it was a, it was a full set. It was, it was like It was a, beautiful. A, yeah, tenement oh hallway. God. And then she was in kind of photographer studio and we had, um, uh, Jason Howard came in and art directed it and all that. Uh, every piece of dressing on that room and there had to be thousands of pieces of stuff was all screwed together because it all tipped 90 degrees to roll up so everything was locked in place could have you could have uh, turned it upside down and nothing would have moved but uh during the live show one of the walls that was rolling in dead center in the back had a lot of hanging bulbs and a lot of other things a uh it crashed into one of the supports at staples centers a column uh, when they're rolling it in because it's very frenetic. And, oh. You know, the cruise state tries to be safe, you know, all the time, but every once in a while something Things hits. And of course, this hit, it broke that center section completely off. They had to they had to pull it all off and then roll it all up. And we quickly unscrewed some things and redressed that area a little bit. Um, God, uh, thank God you had Everyone time. was sad. Yeah, everyone was really sad. 
but it just happens because it's a live event. And thankfully, 80, 85% of the set was as we did a rehearsal, as we, as we created. It's just sometimes it just doesn't happen. Well, I mean, it's not like she was going to see it. She had a big wig over her head, didn't she? (laughs) (laughs) Well, she she's pretty amazing. She she would come to the shop. Yeah, we set it up at uh, a scene shop here in the valley, and uh, we set it up. We built it. She came out. She drove out to the shop. She walked it. Um, She went and got GoPros and rehearsed on it, and they they put hard walls around uh, the entire set so that you couldn't see her. And she spent, I think, a couple days out there just getting used to the set, which was pretty amazing. Not every artist has the time or or even the, the desire to do that, but the fact that she was so integrated in it. So she, I mean, she was emotionally very sad about that, about what happened but i think even she conceded when it was done because no one in the audience knew the only no. people that really knew were us no one ever know no one's ever gonna know you know no. what i mean like no one ever knows but you what's not there what didn't get there right but yep. yeah no i mean that set is phenomenal and that's i mean i was going to ask you specifically about about that and and these vignettes that you've done over the years for especially for like for the grammys i mean the uh, first of all the performances that you have seen are pretty legendary like uh, i mean the beyonce prince one oh i'm, I'm only picking up my favorites but like, <laughs> the justin and jay-z i mean madonna lady gaga doing bowie you've seen such amazing performances and that's just like modern day shit and not even the like throwbacks of stevie wonder and my God, it's amazing. Yeah, it's true. And and beyond just Grammys, the, the, my introduction, oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up with country, the parents like country music, but I wasn't a huge fan. But just getting into Country Music Award, the, the Academy of Country Music Awards, and, and doing that show, and then hip-hop, like, yeah. my <laughs> scope of music that I appreciate and, and really respect has changed so much. Um, and sometimes, honestly, like some of my favorite performances, you would think uh, that like scenically I have some favorite performances, but there are some um, I should correct because sometimes I have left the truck and watched performances. But, oh, yeah. uh, but usually I would say 80 percent of my time is in the truck. But when we did Adele, I think uh, the year when she blew up, she was on the show. And she, uh, this was prior to when she had a full, she was out in the, the audience on the satellite stage, but she was over on, she was over on our stage over, uh, on one performance area. And I think we proposed a lot of different scenery and we ended up just doing very simple customizers where we did some, um, lights, even lights right along the back, like this line of lights in a row. We did these risers raised that were completely open underneath. And then we, uh, most people, you know, on the underside of a platform, you wouldn't normally finish, but we, for some reason I thought, I think we need to, that needs to be finished. So we did a kind of a gloss black finish on the back on the underside. And that performance, I mean, it wasn't heavy scenery, but it was, 
I was out in the audience for that one, and it was one of the first times I was at a show where literally everyone was holding their breath and you couldn't hear anything. And I've heard, you know, the expression, you could hear a pen drop. Well, that was the first time I'd ever experienced it where nobody was, no one talked the entire performance. They were just staring, not breathing at Adele singing. And just that row of lights glowing. And then sometimes the the, uh, steady cam, uh, or the handhelds down in the mosh pit in front where, where we have guests come in and stand for energy shooting up. You saw that glint, that reflection just off the lighting underneath the, underneath the platform. And then it, it, it was so pure and so simple. Um, well, yeah, I, but I think that's, one of my that's one that goes to you responding from the performance and designing around it so specifically that the simplicity of it makes it more powerful. That yeah. it, you're focused so much on her incredible voice that you, I don't know, at, at some point you can't compare. You can't, anything you're going to put right. up, people are just enthralled with that voice. Yeah. And it's like, what do you need? Like, we don't need to have a set around here. We don't need LED content running fast or slow paced through the screens. Just make it pure. And so much of that, which is great, I mean, most of our teams are tight because between art art department, lighting department, and screen department, all of us need to work together. And it's it's really important to get a vision across that that plays well and looks merged together, so that all the everything that you see on camera comes comes together nicely. And even with the director, I mean, Lou Horwitz on Grammys will, you know, he'll, he's, he's so, he really studies the performances and listens to the music and looks at the scenery and, and will say, you know what, I really want to come in from the side on a jib here. Can we get some dressing for mm. Camilla uh, Cabello when we did that two story uh, apartment that Jason Sherwood, who uh, is from New York, he was the, the creative director on that. Um, but can we get some, scenery over here so i can have a cut in piece i'm like yeah but even with lighting i mean so much all our creative it's not just one department in our world lighting lighting plays a huge role in it and sometimes even beyond scenery saying you know this this should just be a lighting look this doesn't need to be scenery let's create architecture with lighting right because i mean when you go to when you used to go to concerts it was a band and some great lighting Right. <laughs> I mean, especially like, you know, like a Bon Jovi or rock and roll or something. I mean, that's all that's all that was up there. A couple of pyrotechnics and that was a great show. So, <laughs> yeah. And 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 yes, it was. And it meant it meant people's expectations. Yeah. Um, and now the bar, I mean, expectations are, are crazy now for concerts like. Oh, my God. It's insane. I mean, look at like Pink. I think she rose that bar a lot. And then the costume changes and how many dancers and the set moves and then they're they're floating out over the audience. It's crazy what concerts get into. And then you have that also in your shows. I mean, it's crazy the bar is too high probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's exciting. I mean, it's it's wonderful that series embraced and the lighting is... You know, ever since the first moving light started, it changed that world forever. Mm-hmm. And into television and, and everything. Um, and the variety of new lighting that comes out and lasers that come out, effects that come out. And even even scenery, like the, the different surfaces that are now being 
Yeah, you I mean, have textures that you can use and and light off of and light, like like oh, that yeah. Carrie Underwood dress that was all like projected onto her and then like onto the screens you had behind it. I mean, it was insane. Yeah, yeah, gorgeous, that was that, gorgeous. Yeah, and so pure. Like yeah. when you get down to it, it's 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 technically very complicated. It takes a while to work out, but the result is so pure and so clean. But you just get to marvel at that and the singing. And it, all it does is support. And that's all we want to do is support the performance, really. It's yeah. all about supporting performances. And that was like you you can't take your eyes off of those graphics that are going on 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 her. But yet you're listening to this like this voice coming out of this little woman it's like incredible (laughs) and then the butterflies just explode it's like it's such a powerful image it's gorgeous yeah and all inspired by it inspired by her voice in the song really so that's the that's the emotional journey right there so was that like how did the graphics come out of that was that like her thought of like uh like butterflies or like i don't know like was that you know, I'm thinking back. At the time, I believe Raj Kapoor was was on board with with uh, Carrie at that time. Um, he's since actually moved into award shows, and he's a producer now, a creative producer, and does beautiful work. Um, but that was in kind of early stages of, I think, not projection so much, but the idea of projecting onto a surface that wasn't just a screen. And uh, I think he brought the initial idea and had the content created for that dress. And then I'm, I think we had to work with stylists in terms of like, you know, getting that exact dress made. But, but he had that, that vision. And then, you know, so much of our content, Drew Finley is a good screen designer. And regardless of whether it's LED um, uh, or projection, that, person like drew like raj or people are creating that content for the show but then but at first you had that like gauzy drapery behind her and then that lifted up right am i going crazy there was like curtains of like gauze yeah i'll tell you some of these do meld together i remember specifically the dress i would actually have to look it up to see um uh there may have been a drape yeah there may have been a drape behind her yeah. Well, it some was, of the nice. It was. Yeah. I think that's. It was like you, you created this. Like you're just looking at her, and then this like gauzy drape sort of goes away, and then it sort of you. Then it expands onto like other screens and everything, and just made it so huge. Like taking oh, advantage yeah. of that space that you had in this performance was just so gorgeous. Yeah. No, I remember now what you're. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Like. Some we can choose. Oops, excuse me. Sorry about that. Are you that. taking a master class while we're doing this? <laughs> I'm actually doing three and three, <laughs> and I'll just turn the volume on depending on the one I'm listening. Yeah. I think everyone right now is doing master classes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, it is interesting. Like, like there, there is. It keeps all going back to the song, but for her, the idea of it growing beyond her dress was really beautiful. And then we'll have some performances where, like on a satellite stage, it's just like Lady Gaga with her wings on the Grammys, yeah, over oh. draped over piano, and that's all that needs. Yeah. Um, uh, 
it is. I mean, that's what excites me so much about this this world is that all the statements being made on one show, and that you're designing a statement overall for the show that that really drives the idea of the show. But then within that that world that you create, you get to create and make so many different statements. Uh, even within country music, I mean, it's all like country music, but some of it's kind of hip hop. Oh yeah, it's more traditional country. The dancers so, that you have to accommodate, and I mean, yeah. the, all of the musicians, like you were saying, like the orchestras, like oh, it's insane. There's two things I want to ask you about, though, just Grammy yeah. specific. Number one, did you have to design specific stuff for the Muppets when CeeLo Green and Gwyneth Paltrow? had that performance like was it did the muppets come in and have demands <laughs> or you know just requirements of like well we need all these you know to hide the people was that right. hard well mainly it was what they required in their in the in their uh dressing room like the list was on and on. no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> they didn't seem to eat or drink anything uh, um, they left it a no, mess um, yeah no, it was um, that one. Uh, I think I did three ideas. One was a Mars landing pad. The other was, I think, Egyptian. Uh, and there was a third one, like three ideas. They liked the idea of the Martian, kind of the Martian landscape with the rocket. Yeah. And then it was a lot of dialogue between between the puppeteers. First of all, choosing the puppets that we'd want. Uh, that kind of fit. And then the second part was uh, conversations with them, their specific needs on area, the area they required and how much room they had and when their hands go up. And then, yeah, lastly, it was how do we hide them? Like, do we do, like, I think we did an inset with just, just like black velour behind one and they were all in black to hide, I think, the three background singers. Wow. Um, and then the other ones were usually behind walls. I remember on Kennedy Center Honors one year, we had Kermit the Frog, Yo-Yo Ma. It Ooh. was for Yo-Yo Ma. And I think Kermit, Frog, Kermit the Frog came out. So we worked. We had to create a special podium and then design a, a wall that the, uh, the puppeteer could be behind. And they sent us a very specific diagram of height and width. And then we just built off that. But... I designed it into kind of that basic set of the Kennedy Center Honors. It was so fun. Uh, that set is so much fun and, and just look like CeeLo and Gwyneth were having a good time with it. And just, I feel like that's a performance where people just smile the whole time because it's fun yeah. and the color is there and it's a great song and you got the Muppets. Like, I love, yeah. I, I, I watched that like a couple times in this past week. <laughs> it's like, oh, I really like this. I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, it was really joyous. Yeah. I think Outcast one year that we I think two thousand four Outcast was on or five. Um, they were joyous too, and it, that was pretty simple. It was again kind of a Martian landscape, but like Hayah a, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We built a uh, stainless steel teepee uh, with uh, I think some some ports cut out of it. So it was like a, a teepee that was a rocket, um, and that was. That was enjoyable, but yeah, so much of it was the energy of the show, of the performance and the fun yeah. that they had. And you're right, CeeLo and Gwyneth, that was a very fun, and you could tell it was infectious. Yes, yes. I Now, before, because I, I want to ask about the Kennedy Center, but I have one last, like, musical question. Like, does Madonna let you do anything? 
Or is it just like, all right, hands off for that, like, you know, eight minutes of the show and that's what Madonna does, what she wants to do? Because I think that's how it goes. I think that's how it probably is, like... Yeah, some people you need to accommodate, of course. Yeah. Um, like Madonna. Yeah. Um, uh, and I believe that she had brought in a creative director the last the last time she was on. And last couple times she was on. Um, I remember... Uh, yeah, and sometimes they brought their things in. There was one we had a, a limousine on stage. It was completely covered in mirror, like mirror balls. Oh, for dance ball confessions, right? Or, or um, hang yeah. up? Is it hung up? I think it was. I forget. No, I. It forget. might have been hung up. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, working with them in terms of weight load of a real limo versus a fake limo, and how you know what's the weight of it? What's again? What's you know all these things that are boring to other people that I enjoy is figuring out. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's your that's um, the reality. That's the, yeah. the part of the design. Like, all right, now we got to figure this out. How are we going to do it? And that's a, what yeah. we're all struggling with. Yeah, and Gorillas when when she was on with Gorillas and we did the Pepper's Ghost effect with oh, yeah. with her, we did a pre-tape with her so that she could appear with Gorillas and then she appears to go to the other side of the stage and then she's actually on the other side of the stage uh when we come to her, uh, that was, uh, I mean, it really does depend on, it really depends on the performance in terms of like how much, but we try to do every, you know, we, there are restrictions that we can't even control, like weight load up in the air. And, and, you know, you get to a point where, you know, you have a certain amount of weight given what rigging is issued to engineering and they've, they've, stamped and we know our load and we know that we can't hang that or we can't hang that or if they want you know something maybe it can be built in a lighter weight material or something like that so we try to of course work with every every act that comes in the best we can just sometimes we it's it's physically physically impossible like beyond our control do you have uh such demanding people on kennedy center honors or is it pretty chill (laughs) I would think it was that one. Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't designed that. I left the show of my choice uh, maybe six years ago. I was I was back when the Stevens were doing it, and it mm-hmm. was that very stately gray set. Um, but no, that that was really when I did it. Was was producer the producer would create it because because they were being honored. It depended. Certain people would like to know what they were doing. Like for Oprah, I believe she wanted to kind of get a, a basic outline of what her performance was when she was honored. Some people don't care. Mm-hmm. Some people some people being honored say, you know, this is really important. This is really important to me. Um, uh, they don't tell. They didn't tell the producers what to do, but they would say, you know, it would be really nice if this could happen or I love this. And then the producers would just kind of go from there. Um, but the years I did it, it, we did no LED. So what I did love about that show, it was my only, cause I have theater roots was it was in an opera house. Mm-hmm. It was, the cameras were hidden. Um, they were, it was very much as much for the audience as it was for the, the audience at home, the TV audience. So it was designed very much theatrically. So I, I did get back to my theatrical roots and which was wonderful. Like, okay, we're on a stage, we have wings, we have a set of fly lines, what are we doing for this? And then how do we do do all this scenery to make sure that it all works for what every performance needs and then are still our basic set? Um, 
our basic set needs a certain amount of, you know, requirements to make that work for all the, uh, you know, when people would walk out and give their story about, right. about the NRE. Um, but I did love that show. I loved that we built real scenery that. I that, love that show. I, I have always been a fan of like, these are like the little like gems in our American culture. And I always thought it's a, it's a yeah. very special, a very special show and a really special honor. I always thought. So I, yeah, I, I have enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. It feels rooted. Yeah. Uh, rooted in the American psyche for people that like that, that kind of show. And there's a history with it. And there's an emotional response because it's not just a singular performance. It really is honoring someone's career and someone's passion, which I did love about that. Um, and I love Steve Bass uh, took it over. Alana Billingsley designed it for, I think, three years using the previous set. But then when it was uh, revamped, Steve Bass did it. And I think his set's beautiful, too. It's very clean. and and uh, Yeah, it's always yeah. been a very elegant up sort of, you know, show. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. It also shows what how you can package a show visually, too. Mm-hmm. Because between my designing Alana and Steve, there's been different statements visually for the set, but they all kind of contain, like you said, some key ingredients. It's monumental. It's classic. Yeah. Um, it's totally supportive of performances, but it has a very regal. It's got a stature and a regal nature to it without being cold. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. I I unfortunately forgot uh way back when um because i you have said that you had a theater background where did you study uh carnegie mellon oh. i started i went to uh, undergrad at moo u michigan state university <laughs> and then yeah went to uh graduate school for three years in pittsburgh and it was uh i mean it really it really gave me i think msu provided to me the creative outlet to kind of be free with designing, but because uh, we had a lot of different venues, not a lot of money, you you had a vision, you figured it out, like most theaters do, and uh, and in a good way. But Carnegie Mellon really honed, you know, honed. I think honed me a lot, honed me in terms of of. Uh, like con- like I guess like control design control and mm-hmm. and so much rendering style and and just um, it was good it was nice to have the freedom at Michigan State and then to have uh, guidance like really strong guidance um, you have you have uh, so many so many peers that have gone there also which is nice and or must have been nice too because people had gone there that are in our business and if that's what you were pursuing at that time i don't know yet but yeah you know no and it's really interesting i mean i'll i have people that have a lot of people i've worked with came from carnegie mellon Mm -hmm. mind you 10 years after i did and now there are people that we're working with that are close to 20 years out from when i was at carnegie mellon and you know that physically the building has changed like where 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 they teach classes mm-hmm. the faculty has changed but there still is a seed there that that it's really interesting because the university that i went to was really not the university experience that people 20 years later 15 10 15 20 years later went to yet yet they come out as well trained and as versed so 
yeah, they've, there's something in that cu- curriculum that that really has a lot of talent that comes out of there, though. I mean, uh, I I yeah. I have plenty of people I know that went there and um, are geniuses and, and super talented and just know their stuff. It's a it's a I probably I'm jealous in a sense. <laughs> I loved my college, but I I always feel like <laughs> oh they went to Carnegie Mellon. I'm like whoa whoa <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, discipline. I think that's the word I missed before when I was comparing universities. It just had, it's got a good discipline, discipline. to it. No. Yeah. And then did you come right to L.A. after you graduated? Uh, no, I actually stayed on. Uh, well, no, I moved to Brooklyn and I was doing uh, scene painting for a while. But then I got pulled back to Pittsburgh to work as a set decorator which I had never done before on two George Romero films. Uh, I worked with a professor at Carnegie Mellon who was the production designer, Cletus Anderson, who was amazing and brought me in to do uh, a remake of Night of the Living Dead. I think that was 92, maybe, 1991. Uh, and, then, and then I uh, went back to Brooklyn, but very quickly went back and did The Dark Half, which was a Stephen King movie. Um, in 92 into 93. So yeah, I got, I was blessed to like scary, honestly. I mean, this is the age before computers, before, you know, graphic artists creating things and, and prop shops that you could rent from, you know, Pittsburgh was, so my life basically for those two films was going to auctions out in the middle of nowhere and buying things for, for the show and making deals with antique stores. Oh, my God. <laughs> furniture stores. I mean, it yeah, really was. That, that's what gives, you know, when you have to shop locally, it really helps in, in capturing what the vernacular really is there. So it's, well, that's it's, true. it's yeah. so helpful, but so hard at the same time because people don't really want to rent. They're very skeptic. They're very, like, you know. Right. They don't think- yeah, and it was the infancy, of, the infancy of film there. They were just starting to f- to do a lot of filming in Pittsburgh. So, yeah, it was it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty virgin territory in terms of films in a lot of ways. Um, so and they- I learned a lot of respect for set decorators. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you world. jumped out of that pretty quickly. You had two <laughs> you had two credits, and then you're like, nah, never mind. I'm, I'm going. I'm I'm going into uh, awards and live performance. Yeah. Well, coming out to LA was nice. I mean, I left soon after that to came out to LA to come out to LA, and then uh, you know the work at Disney was was amazing, and it was you know back when the park was smaller and uh, the entertainment division was in a trailer, uh, but the people that like. Just within this this uh, trailer, mobile home, basically work trailer. Uh, there was so much talent; it was amazing. So, what did you do? So, you when you moved out here, you started working at Disney. As- yeah, I, well, I interviewed around, but I wasn't in the union, and I really didn't have a lot of television like contacts and things. So, uh, I did a bunch of interviews, and then one of them was down at uh, Disneyland. I don't know who; I can't even remember who it suggested, but I went down and interviewed with the live entertainment division, and they did special events as well. Oh, I and see. I see. Interviewed, and I was actually working that afternoon, which was interesting. Wow, they scooped yeah. you up. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. I'm like, like he said, "Well, can you start?" And I'm like, "Okay, sure." So yeah, I did. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. For, 
Yeah, stayed there for almost 18 months before uh, uh, Robert Keene's uh, art director of many years was actually moving on and he needed a position filled. And I don't even know how I got that. Um, I think it was someone that knew someone through Disney suggested and I interviewed and my commute went from 37 minutes. No, well, I can't imagine what it would be now, probably an hour to get down there back and forth. But um, it went from... Uh, you know, 40 minute drive to a five minute drive because he was in the valley. So it was, oh my God. I started working for, for Bob Keen. It was, it was like, it was amazing to get that time back, but also like what he taught me. Yeah, I'm sure. Invaluable. Yeah. And so then you started art directing and then it looks like you art directed for like four or five years and then jumped into designing on your own. No, I was I was with Bob almost, I think, nine years. It was a long time, and I, I, I was comfortable there. And I did at the time enjoy art directing, um, but he passed, and he passed suddenly in 2003. And... Um, of course, everything was turned upside down then, and not only for him, but for his wife and 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 everything. So I I basically thought, what do I need to do? Well, if I want to continue this, I need to talk to the producers that I've worked with as an art director and say, are you willing to give me a chance? Um, yeah. And I did. I made calls and I said, I know I can do this. I want to do this. Um, will you trust me? And that's probably the smartest and thing you did. I mean, personally reaching wow. out to people, I mean, it's probably the smartest thing you could have done. Yeah, I, th I think so. I'll tell you, I was scared to death, but but it put me, uh, but yeah, the, their graciousness and willing to trust me, I think was the biggest thing. And I felt like that's what I had to do. I really, I didn't know, I really didn't know what else to do. It was my life and, and the, the, this kind of uh, live television events were what I knew. And at the time, they were also evolving. Like, LED was becoming more popular. Like, we, when Bob passed, we were doing projection. And that was a big thing at that time. Right. You know, rear, rear projecting. And I remember panty slides, those huge slides we would do instead of before projectors were actually able to go on screens and kind of follow the shape of... of of projection screens, scenic projection screens. Um, uh, we were doing these big panty projectors and all these huge slides the size of license plates that slid through and that you would have to, oh, it would turn off and then back on. But, but yeah, even in 2003, things were evolving and LED was coming in, you know, as it, it's, and it still is evolving. But yeah, so one show led to another. And, and so I built up built up my world as a production designer and which is wonderful you you have like a rotation of about six or seven shows a year at this point i mean um, i know you give and take and you do a couple of new things and then uh, you know but how do you keep up with like six live shows a year um well it's a lot of uh, fortunately the way they fall as the years as the years 
as the year lays itself out, as you know, the Golden Globes are in the beginning. You know, Grammys is three weeks after. Sometimes it's two. Sometimes it's right. four. So you just have to, you know, you have to depend on your art department. You have to plan for very, you know, I, I, during the times. I don't much so much anymore, but I used to get up and start at 5 a.m. because the phone wouldn't ring for three hours. And that was when I could, <laughs> you know, when I the only time I could sit and be creative where I wasn't taking notes or on a creative call. And that's when I did my sketches. So um, it's just if, if there is a show that, that overlaps with a load in or I know there's going to be a lot of internal performances on a show, mm -hmm. then I can't. I can't do that. But if I'm doing uh, like a Lexus, uh, a Lexus Elite meeting, which I, I do a, a Lexus event and I've done some other you know, outside of live television events. Yeah. As long as there's not a lot of scene changes, you know that you can get there for the second day of load-in and stay through the show and, and your art director supports you and and follows through with the scenery and, and you visit the shop once or twice. You know that if it's, if it's a little bit of a lighter show in terms of what's required for the finished product, uh, then it's okay. Like, you can do, okay, I can do this Lexus meeting uh, on the tails the 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 uh, uh, shirt tail of a larger multi-act show because it's it's not the scale of that but if if there's shows that are that are big that are multi-act that are overlapping I, I i i can't do it out of you know work ethic and i can't yeah i mean i i don't want anything to happen to the show and i certainly don't want the people's opinion of me to think that i've spread myself too thin plus you you've surrounded yourself with I'm sure an amazing creative team that you trust and are able to, oh, yes. you know, walk away for a minute and able to, you know, go, go, go away for an hour or so. And, and not, you know, nothing's going to break. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the team, like I, because I, you know, when you wear an art director hat for the years I did, it was very hard to pull out of that right. and, and design the show. And I did allow myself the freedom to design and have that creativity, but it, but I also was kind of in the back of my, my mind art directing it. And the truth is, I don't need to be doing that. If I wanted to do that, I could. But there are people that are far better than me that I've learned that, that are there, that have that passion and are there to support. And so, yes, I've learned. I've learned to lean on and actually been saved many many a time by we all, we all very have. talented people yeah right right we sometimes saved by the lighting department sometimes yeah. saved by rarely by i'm rarely i'm rarely uh, saved by the lighting department i'm <laughs> i'm usually scrambling because of the lighting department um, right. but i love i love them because they light my shit but like yeah no right. <laughs> uh, but yeah no it's we're all we're, we're all spokes in that wheel and it's you know you got to be strong for each other yeah and, and there can be disagreements i mean we've certainly had our share of wouldn't say yelling matches, but very terse dialogue about something. But it, it irons itself out. It's all part of the job, you know, as much as the highs. Yeah. Well, yeah. The um, the other aspect of your life uh, shows that you do is the Golden Globes. Do you enjoy, is that like, oh, Golden Globes, like one stage, what am I going to do? Like, are you bored? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it is one of my favorite shows and, it presents a huge number of challenges, of course. And With a small it's a room. 
Yeah, it's a tiny. It's a tiny tiny room. I mean, thirteen foot ceilings. Up until I was ever in that room, I never. Even when I the first time I ever went into that room, I was like, "No, this isn't it." There's like another room. (laughs) There's like another room. This is like the Bobo room that they let the art directors guild into. Like the real room isn't. I know when you walk in, it's nothing like the cameras. No. Lou directs it. His camera shots, it looks, you know, it doesn't look huge, but it looks far bigger on camera in a wide shot and even a close-up than it does when you're in that room. Yeah. It it is amazing what a camera does for that room. But, yeah, I love the challenge of that room. It's small. There's fire marshal issues. There's a lot of issues that we, we seem to work around, but it's, it's an enjoyable challenge. Um, it really is an enjoyable challenge. And you're right. There aren't scene changes throughout the evening. Um, Sometimes that's more pressure. Like this is a, this is a set that has to accommodate all of these actors yeah. and, and tributes. And it has to, you know, be fantastic yet be subtle next to them. <laughs> that's, I think that's your right. challenge. Right? And be, be um, you know, rich and grand, but also, as you're saying, have, make a statement and then then be able to subtly change which we try to do with the backgrounds yeah uh but there you know i i like it for the challenges and i like it you know to clark productions barry edelman is the uh, producer i love working with them creatively on things and there's a huge amount of respect there for me and and um yeah it's enjoyable and it's does the design of it um do you think who's going to host does that influence you at all um, it, it does sometimes we had, we had to have quest love on one year, which really, uh, for uh, Jimmy, which I think, uh, or was it set? No, it was Jimmy, which, which did really alter our typical flow because we only have maybe 20 feet of depth and there's right. so, many, so many entrances you can do and so much masking you can do. Uh, but for other hosts, uh, you know, when when Amy and Tina hosted it, I think maybe I went tried to go a little more feminine with the set, a little a little curvier, maybe not so hard edged. And that's um, is this next year, right? I think they were. Yeah, I think they. Yes, I think I they think like because the only reason I know that is like I feel like the day after the Golden Globes, they announced next year's hosts as if they were like, yeah, we're done with Ricky Gervais, which I think is a mistake, but I feel like they <laughs> announced it pretty early on, like, <laughs> which was so yeah. odd to me. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> really? Yeah, the one thing I remember about Ricky was he needed the first first two or three years he hosted, we had to have, we had to in the podium we designed because we design, I think a new podium every year, depending on the host, if they want one, he needed a shelf for his beer, which yeah. I always think back and think, okay, so we had to find out the glass height because we didn't want to do it too low. So we didn't lean over. Um, hey, I don't uh, blame him. the extent of like scene changes that we do on that show. <laughs> God, I don't blame like, him. Oh, I, podium needs to be adjusted. I, I like that you designed podiums because having done a lot of shows with like public speakers and like government, I have used every podium in town at least three times <laughs> and, or have had right? podiums Yeah, built. we all know them well. Modern props. Yeah. This one. Modern, oh, this advanced, uni, you can't yeah. trust uni, you can't trust Warner Brothers. Like we, and then I've yeah. had the maid. I go to like 
DisplayToGo.com is also my friend. I've done Amazon. <laughs> I know where to get Ooh, a podium. Display to go. Yeah, Display to Go is good. They got some good stuff, if ever. But um, they're shipping slow. But uh, yeah, podiums are like my thing. I would have to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, it's true. And but I think that there's an opportunity to incorporate the podium into your set. So I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah and you want to have a little bit of country like as we all know we we want to see what people are wearing on the golden globe so the yeah. podium can't be solid and it could be plexi but if we can do a thin metal frame that is open so we can yeah. actually see people and then honestly it's our role to say when a producer says well so and so wants a podium we say well do they really need a podium because do you really want to block even if it's kind of see-through do you really want to walk block this uh, beautiful gown when it walks on stage well i so i, I think I mean, that that microphone that comes up off the floor to the specific height is always the best option oh yeah and that works great but if there's like an artist that says if i win i would like a podium brought out to hold my trophy we're like well can oh there my be god an alternate? like can the uh can miss golden globe hold it? i hope you can don't Mr. win yeah. Well, I shouldn't say it's them so much as the producer, just because everyone wants to think. We have to think about things like, is anyone coming in a wheelchair? Uh, right. Because that room, well, well being well, des- well being well designed for, of course, handicap access, it isn't that easy sometimes to get onto that stage no, given no. the scale in our set. So there's that. There's the podium. You know, there's all those little things that I think producers try to think of and. I mean, with this, with the coronavirus and what may happen with next year's, the beginning of next year's shows, I'm sure there'll be dialogue on that. Like, Well, yeah. I mean, I, so what do you think? I mean, you're already taking uh, design elements and reworking for the Country Music Awards. Do you think that'll have an impact, though, like on the performances? Don't you think the thriving off of, and like, they, they're going to announce a winner and there's no one there to applaud? Isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I think every show right now is attempting to do the best it can given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But I do know that there there's going to be that coronavirus fatigue that's already happening. We're already seeing it. I, I think people are getting that that corona fatigue with Zoom calls and all that. We're not even back to work, and we're all tired of it already. <laughs> right, right, right. Now it really is the only way, in a lot of ways, to communicate. But I think producers will start to think about well what's the not only like what is the what is the award show format for next year if this is in place or if this isn't in place isn't in place but then how do we create that live energy without an audience if that becomes a a necessity to not have an audience or a requirement to not have an audience and I don't know that, that that's answered, but I do think uh, we're already seeing evolutions of that with, with uh, the voice. And it'll be interesting to see and, and to think about it. We haven't gotten there yet, but I'm sure a lot of designers and a lot of producers are going to be thinking about, well, what is the thing that will be happening in six to eight months? Yeah. What is the look? Like, yeah, if it's not this, what is the look? Given we've already begun our history of what, the coronavirus has impacted and how people are solving it but what what is going to be the a good idea in january february march lord yeah. knows how long yeah i i don't know who'd want to chant it until there's a vaccine really 
I don't know who'd want to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. it's it's the producers. Uh, we've been on, and I'm sure you guys, you have too, a lot of calls with. Like I've been on calls with producers where they're trying to figure out every scenario. Well, if we have, what if we have an audience? What do we? What if we don't have an audience? But then there's the layering of like, is talent comfortable walking into a an right. arena? Right. Is talent comfortable walking on stage? Um, I think it's all going to be dominated by actors and SAG and and all yeah. that, and and it should be because hey man, they get sick. We're, we're not working. I mean, that's no, just the, yeah, yeah. that's it. And yeah. they have that power and, and good for them. And I hope they use their power for good. But like, that's just the reality of it. We could all we could all walk around in hazmat suits. But, you know, Carrie Underwood gets a, a sniffle and we're done. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And then, yeah, no one's going to tune in to watch a really cool set with lighting and video <laughs> or a beautifully decorated interior no. without talent walking no. around. No. We, we always will be and uh, we always have been and always will be support we're, yeah we're support and, and i'm glad to be it but you know it's uh yeah. i think it's an interesting thing when you start thinking about uh, especially award shows and how how will people win and you know is it i feel like it was way back in like the first academy awards when it was really like small and not as popular and i think they just read them off i think that's how it was i don't even know if they televised them or whatever but i think that oh yeah they just read them off and then i think then they started to let people come up and give speeches but at first i think it was like bob hope and he was just reading off names and everybody clapped and then all right next and here's a performance and I don't know. Yeah, you're right. There's there's been an evolution just like of the Academy Awards. Yeah. Um, in terms of how award shows are staged and run, and weren't they just announced via radio for? The yeah, radio. Like, yeah. So and so is one. Yeah. I think I saw that on Holly and the, the the series Hollywood. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't get up to that episode. Oh. I gave up. I don't know. No, you're not spoiling anything. I I gave up. <laughs> oh, you gave up. Okay. Yeah. I did three episodes, and then I'm like, oh, it's really pretty, and I love the design of it, and I think they did a great job. I just, the story of it didn't keep me. Yeah. Yeah, I think visually it was very rich. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of yeah, work put into that. Oh, my God, yeah. I kept kept going, oh, my God, are they in another location? They're in another location? I know. Like, it's find it crazy in the amount of bodies, like so many extras. It was kind of blew my mind. Well, I think that's our big thing in in tv is locations and extras i don't think that will yeah i think those will be toned down to the bare minimum and maybe it'll be you know cgi extras in the back or you know i don't know i don't know how they're gonna do it yeah and i think even some shows like the voice and um uh the mass singer i think think they're doing virtual reality and green screens now as a temporary kind of filler yeah. Um, but yeah that without that human component i'm just uh, i'm not sure and I, I agree i just wonder you're right maybe it is red at some point maybe it is kind of a what do they say everything old is new again yeah <laughs> maybe they go back to yeah make it fun just, make it make it work that's basically what's gonna happen yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. It's but true. it's definitely a design challenge. It's like it's a design physical oh, yeah, challenge totally. here. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and of course, we're all here to support whatever the vision is. Yeah. Um, and to help with that, uh, even with the creative process of how that happens. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a new it's a new uh, design project. That's all. It's a new it's a new eight foot ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new Zamboni entrance. Yeah. Here's your Zamboni. <laughs> Here's your Zamboni. <laughs> um, what are you? So you're working. What are you up to? Yeah, I'm um, working on some renderings now for ACM Awards oh, uh, in Nashville, and uh, uh, there's initial talks BET Awards, which is at the end of June, about the possibility of some studio work or augmented reality work or virtual work. We're just not sure. So the, imita the invitations to talent have gone out, and I think, you know, as we do, the weeks ahead of time, we'll be figuring out what the best scenario is for the performances. But right. definitely it's not, you know, we had a new set designed for this year. We had, we had kind of reached the life of the old set after a number of years at the Microsoft, and now we're it designed a new set got it budgeted but um you know it'll be a new set next year for the microsoft knock on wood no. end, of, end of june and this year we're just gonna see it, it, it's all really talent dependent it's like yeah. who wants to who wants to do a song from their house who's in atlanta that wants to go to their own studio and produce something um and then who is local that that we can create a stage like a smaller set for to do a performance I will say though, with with all of these little shows doing um, <laughs> doing little Zoom things and actors from their homes, there should be a designer hired for these things. And I, just as like, I mean, I'm going to pick on my own uh, world here. They did the Parks and Rec reunion. I mean, uh, they've hired props to do to to get props, and they hired wardrobe. But they didn't hire a production designer, and I gotta say, I I helped do Amy's uh, home office, so I should get some sort of <laughs> some sort of credit because that was the background in her in her. It was know. nice. But I liked hers, it. I loved I loved that episode. Her, I right. loved it too, and I cried uh, with uh, you know candles in the wind and all that with uh, little Sebastian. But I think like. Some of them, there should have been some comments. Like, Anne, you could have done a little better. Like, I don't know. There should have been a some sort of more opinion from a designer. And I wonder when they're doing some of these other projects where it's actors at home, if they're hiring designers or not. And, <laughs> and I don't know yeah. if they are. I think that's Well, even me. if, I, I agree, even if a designer can't can't personally get to a venue... Or, or someone's house, whatever it is, the fact that you can have pictures sent via email, yeah. you can have the shot that they're going to be using, and then the, the, the comments, yeah, kind of that designer unifying it. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Like, move that, even if it's move that lamp over, move that palm exactly. over, or let's send up this screen. Yeah, if, um, or if, like, Chris and Anne are supposed to be in separate parts of the same house, can we get, can it look alike? <laughs> Their yeah. backgrounds didn't match really at all. I mean, she had some horrible throw blanket or some shit. I don't know what she had, but like he looked like he lived in a very nice house, and she was like in the maid's quarters or something. Yeah, she was stuck in the remodeled basement. It <laughs> yeah, like. it was like oh, that doesn't. 
you know. Locked down in the basement. And then I got to um, give props to, like, Chris Pratt, who was, like, out in his garage. And then I think that whole room yeah. took all the books out. Like, I, then I feel like, whoa, he went for it. So, you yeah, know. I like Chris. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we have to remember that was what week of, we're barely six to eight weeks. Are we, what are we in? We're eight weeks in. Right. Eight, I think eight. I flew back on March 13th on a Friday from Sunday best. It was shut down the next day. And then basically from March 13th on, I was, we were yeah. all hunkered down or yeah. close. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're barely two months into a new world and things like this popping up in the conversations we're having and things you're bringing up. I think that's the evolution of what might happen. Um, and hopefully will happen is there'll, there'll be an evolution into, into the, the zoom call in the background. I would hope. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, there should be, there should be some design eye in this, in that process. It shouldn't get like, you know, just because it's just at the one wall set. It's still a set. <laughs> still. Right. It's still, it's still yeah. a supporting character. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it is in that person's house. Yeah. Go get a plant. Go get a, <laughs> <laughs> get, a <plant. laughs> get that blanket out of there. <laughs> What's growing out of your head? Yeah, exactly. That. What is that crease behind? No, 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 no. But yeah, but but then you got to give them kudos because I think they were like, and I, I'm not sure if it's just Parks and picking on them, but they were sent like that little like lighting thing and they all figured it out. So, you know, you got to give them props too that they figured shit out. So, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they all have. Yeah, to... I agree. And that they were willing to and, and probably I bet it was it was interesting to them because it was a world that they know. Yeah. I mean, they're. Yeah. None of the actors are, I think, are have a lighting background, but they've been around it enough to know that okay, don't light yeah, up. We can, <laughs> yeah, we can figure this out. But yeah. I don't disagree, and I think as we evolve this, hopefully it won't last. I don't know how long it's going to last, but in this evolution, I think that is the next step. Is is like okay, this is with us for a while. Well, that's what like, made me it, think of it. Is actually when you said like if if people are accepting awards at home. <laughs> like not that yeah. you can you can and, hey let me see let me see everybody all right madonna see like everybody turn on your camera let me see what's behind you <laughs> like, i'm sure we can't do that but you know well i'm like we should send if everyone's at home let's send them a zoom image of the ball of uh, yeah. a ballroom yeah and stick them at a table and send everyone a table with a flower arrangement in the foreground yeah there you go <laughs> so, there you go i mean that's that's extreme but i think there's a world where we'll be we will be doing that where the art department will have an influence and lighting will have an influence uh, yeah. into kind of creating virtual spaces within someone's living room. Yeah, I think Who so knows? too. I think so. Just a super sweet person, personality, so laid back and so talented. All of those moving parts that they have to I mean, the Zamboni door and the eight-foot ceilings and... But we, we all have our little restrictions sometimes, but... Uh, I, I think just not knowing what people are going to perform, like, six months out, you could, you could make all the designs you want, but until they tell you Adele wants to sing this, I mean, you probably have an idea, but I don't know. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I don't know. 
Because it's a lot of artists to make happy. I think that that's a thing. It's, you know, when, when TV and film, I don't know if you're, you're not making the actors happy. I feel like with this type of design, the performers need to feel comfortable in this. And, and sometimes it's so integrated that, you know, you, you have to coordinate everything together. So, yeah, like the Muppets. I mean, yeah. So I'm so thankful that I uh, got the time out of him to talk about all of his wonderful stage designs. And the production design is just, it's just great to me. So I hope you enjoyed that. I'd like to thank everyone who has been rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes and other platforms. I really, really appreciate it that you even listen to this or any of the episodes. So thank you so much. In the last couple months, the audience has doubled. So thank you for listening. I am truly grateful. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. Fourth of July is coming up. I hope you have your Stogie Floaty ready to celebrate. Stogie Floaty Luxury Pool Float. Great for a pool party, bachelor or bachelorette party, a cigar lover, even if you just want to float in style. Available now on Amazon, Etsy, and stogiefloaty.com. <laughs>